Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dave Pasqualone, host of the Remarkable People podcast, and I am excited to introduce you to today's sponsor. The episode you're about to listen to is brought to us by Pam Heinold, realtor and broker associate with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate, Pensacola, Florida. When my wife and I moved to Pensacola years ago, we were looking for a qualified real estate professional to help us find our new home. We had two kids, a new career, and not a lot of time. And having moved eight times in 10 years all over the country, we've experienced many, many realtors buying and selling homes at this point. So after moving to Pensacola and interviewing several agents, it was clear to both of us that Pam was the right choice. Her experience, credentials, knowledge, and skills truly are remarkable. And because of that, she's a top producer in the area year after year. Now, I understand that you only care about your home and what makes your life special and great, but that's just it. What makes Pam special is her ability to listen to you, understand what you want, and find you exactly what you're looking for so you have that greatness. If you're somewhere in the world right now looking for a primary residence, a vacation home, a rental investment, or anything else, call Pam. She can help you. She's easy to work with, and she'll help you find your dream home or even just a cool place to come and visit a couple times a year. You can surf, paddleboard, kayak, swim with the dolphins, parasail, whatever you can think of, we have it down here in the beautiful Pensacola Bay Area. So check out PamHeinel.com. That's P-A-M-H-E-I-N-O-L-D.com. Or... Call her office at 850-232-2332. And when you call, make sure you tell her Dave said hi. Now, let's get back to the show. Hello, friends. This is Dave Pasqualone with the Remarkable People Podcast, Season 1, Episode 7, with our friend, Dominic Tascarella. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. Remarkable People Podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life. Welcome, Dominic. Hey, how are you? Good, man. It's good to have you here. So today, so the listeners know, me and you have been friends for a couple of years now. Yep. It's been a few years. Yeah. And how we met was we had a mutual friend. They would always come over to my house for the fights. And you came along one day. We kitted off. We had a lot in common. And you had a remarkable little story, and I really enjoyed hearing it, so I wanted you to maybe share that today with our listeners. Sound good? Yeah, sounds great. All right, man. So this is going to be real simple. The format is you're just going to tell us your story, and then we're going to go into kind of what what's going on in your life today, and then kind of the thoughts for the future. No pressure, no stress, just how we can glorify God and help our listeners grow, and I hope us grow. So... What we'll do is, Dominic, I'm going to give you a quick snapshot, then Dominic can take this the direction he wants. He grew up in a Christian home on the mission field. He came home from the mission field. He had a part of his life where he made some really poor choices and bad decisions that hurt him and his family. But then through Christ, he recovered, came back, he was working a job like many of us, hourly pay, and then he discovered Bitcoin and digital currency 
and he is in a vastly different financial position today because of it. So I'm not going to steal his thunder, but ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the intelligent, the handsome, the remarkable Dominic Tascarella. <laughs> I appreciate it. So yeah, like you said, I, I, I grew up on the mission field and uh, you know, I, I, I got saved at a young age. So I was, I was saved in around third grade. And for the audience, so we have audience members of every religion right. oh, and donation. Yeah, what, what's that term mean? Right. So, so I believe the only way to heaven is Jesus Christ. Okay. And so I, I came to that realization about eight or nine years old. So I accepted him as my savior. It's a punishment for my sin because I, you know, it, someone has to pay for our sin. And if, if you don't accept Christ's payment, then you pay for it yourself with, by spending eternity in hell. So I came to that realization. I got saved at a young age. And, and I felt God was going to use my life. So it wasn't a few years, actually. My dad was saved in the military. So he was saved over in the Philippines. And, but he had ended up getting backslid. And that's what brought us to Missouri in the first place. And that's where I grew up. I grew up in a little town called Neosha, Missouri. He had a friend that he actually was instrumental in leading to Christ and into getting saved. And, and that friend ended up becoming a missionary. And my dad ended up backslid, you know, at one point, and his name is Gene, Gene Harmon. And he called my dad and he said, Hey, I'm, I'm coming to uh, visit you. And my dad said, Hey, Gene, I'm, I'm not the same Dominic, you know, you know, Gene. Your dad's name is also Dominic? My dad's name, my father's name is also Dominic. Okay. Okay. That's correct. Just to clarify. Uh, Yes. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. So he said, Gene, I'm not the same Dominic, you knew, you know. Gene, he's from Jersey, so he's really eloquent. And he said, shut up. <laughs> he said, you're an idiot. <laughs> he said, I'm coming to visit you and you're, and I'm going to stay with you, you know. And so my dad um, ended up letting Gene come. While Gene came, he had a meeting at a church close by and he invited my dad along. And uh, he said, and he gave his testimony of how my dad is the reason he, he got saved and the reason he became a missionary. And uh, man, it really broke my dad's heart. It, I mean, it really shook him up. He got back in church and then it wasn't a few months really. And God, he felt God calling him to be a missionary. Wow. Okay. So yeah, that was a big, a big swing. <laughs> it, was it, was a huge, it was a huge swing, but that was 1998. And how old were you at this point? Oh, I was 11 or 12. So you had awareness of what was going on. Uh, yeah. It oh, wasn't no, like was, you were little. And, no, 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 no. Yeah. I knew, I was like, whoa, what happened? You know? Yeah. All of a sudden we, we didn't go to church and now we're in church every Sunday and Wednesday. It was, you know, it, it caused some tension in the family, of course, because not all of our hearts were right, mm-hmm. you know? But uh, no, at so, this time, mm-hmm. let me add, what about your mom at this point? Was she a Christian? Was yes. she not a Christian? Okay. Yes, she was a Christian. She's actually, she had gotten saved in her late teens, early twenties. Okay. Yeah, but she had backslid and, and that, and joined the military. Okay. So. And joining the military doesn't make you backslid. No, Two no, no. separate things. No, not at all. But she, she backslid. She ended up joining the military. And while she was backslid, she met my dad. Nice. Okay. And they ended up getting married. Gotcha. And then that's when, her, my dad's story is remarkable. <laughs> so, but, so she ended up deciding to get right with the Lord because okay. she looked at my sister. My sister was an infant and she realized, she said, my baby has a soul and I'm responsible mm-hmm. for her soul. So she decided to go to church, you know, and, and the pastor came and ended up visiting my father and my dad ended up getting saved because of that. My dad wanted nothing to do with religion. He grew up in a 
he had an awful childhood. Mm-hmm. Italian background. My grandpa was not necessarily mafia, but Tascarone and yeah. Pasqualone. We know yeah. a little bit about <laughs> from Sicily. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shh, don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> But so like, you know, back to Gene coming and, and uh, my dad getting right. Well, we ended up on the mission field and, and I'd gotten right with the Lord. I was excited. I was, I was the first one actually to, to tell someone about Christ and lead them to the Lord over on the mission field. So they, what happened was we ended up having to come home. We had to come home because there was a situation with my mom and dad's house. They hadn't sold it here in the States. Well, they ended up having to, to come back to take care of some business. Well, why they were back, I was around 15. I was 15 years old. Well, they put, they put us into a Christian school, but I made, you know, I made friends with the wrong crowd. I had some family members also that, that I got close to and it drew me away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. So. And just so the listeners, we all know this. You can call yourself any religion, but to be Christian is to be Christ-like. Correct. And we can be anywhere in the world. And you can be in a Christian, quote unquote, place, and there's any kind of person you want, just like you could be in any country where there's no, quote unquote, Christians, and you could have any kind of person you want. So we're going to gravitate to good or bad, no matter where we're at. That's correct. And uh, I gravitated to bad. I'm not (laughs) sure why. But uh, so at 15, you know, I started sneaking around while I was in the States, smoking you know, started smoking cigarettes, drinking when I could, you know, 15 year old. And, uh, and then when we got back to the field, well, the country we were in, there's no age limit for anything. They said, if you can see over the counter, they'd serve you. So it's the worst place in the world for, for a kid who doesn't want to do right. Yeah. Cause I had no, I'm 15. You could buy cigarettes, buy alcohol, no problem whatsoever. So from 15 to 18, my relationship with my parents was awful. Sneaking around doing, you know, whatever I could and, and knowing full, full and well, as soon as I turned 18, I was headed right back to the States and I was going to live however I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, the realization was there for my parents too. And it was heavy on them. And you felt you knew you had your life in control. You knew what was best. Yeah. Your parents are idiots. Yeah. My parents were morons, you know, <laughs> not that they were, not, but they that were was your worldview at that time. That's, that's how most 15 to 20 year olds view, view their parents. Yeah. yeah you're you're thinking better. you're the exception, right? You know, the rule. Yeah. Most people will do this and they'll be ruined, but not me. No, not me. Be. Because I knew, and, and it was super hypocritical, mm-hmm. but I felt like I, you know, I'll get my life right later. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to have fun now, you know? So I turn 18, graduate high school and move right back to the States. Well, man, I got off the plane. You know, this was where my heart was. My friends picked me up. We get someone to buy us alcohol. And I'm drunk before I get back to my grandparents' house, which is where I'm staying. It just went downhill from there. I mean, my, they knew right off the mm-hmm. bat. They, they, you could see the apprehension. <laughs> they yeah. were, they were like, Oh no, he's going to be living here, you know? So for the next, for the next year, I, all we did, that's all we did. I, I just worked and then I worked to have money to, to party. And what kind of work did you do? I, I was a union carpenter. Okay. Yeah. So I, I started out at 15 working summers for a roofing company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but that, that eventually led into, to carpentry and in the, and my entire family in Missouri, they're, they're carpenters, union carpenters. 
So I ended up becoming a union carpenter as well. We had a real good group of friends there. There were, there were four of us, me and a, and a few other buddies. Well, when, when I was 18, so it was just a little later in the, in that same year, our buddy Todd ended up in, and Todd was the guy out of the group who was going to be the longest to live. The rest of us were going to kill ourselves because we were idiots. Mm-hmm. Todd ended up dying in a car accident, oh, uh, wow. drinking and driving, of course. So that was very sobering. And he was the most stable. Of he was the most stable. He was the, he, you know, he, he, it was very evident. He had control of his drinking, you know. Oh, not a, well, they hit a patch of gravel. You're right. I mean, yeah. it, it, he obviously was a little too comfortable driving, mm-hmm. but it, I mean, they hit a patch of gravel, slid the Jeep rolled yep. multiple times. Oh, wow. So there's a Jeep was, too. There's like one star rating on safety. It was so, awful. Yeah, and and it actually, it was my, my, my other friend Thomas's vehicle and, but it threw them both out and Todd and Thomas were best friends. They were the closest of friends. Todd actually ended up dying in Thomas's arms. It was awful. But it was super, it was, it was a, it was really traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. And even though I was away from God, it, it shook me up and I said, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of, I got to get out of Missouri. So my family came, picked me up. I came to Florida. And while I was here, I started talking with a girl from high school back in Missouri. So, you know, it wasn't three, four months. The mm-hmm. shock, the initial shock had wore off. You know, I was ready to go back and be with my friends again, continue partying. So you kind of, if I understand, you had that when the shock happened, oh, I'll never do that again. Right. I'll never be proud of life. We had that. We all have had those moments of like, I'm so committed. I'll never do that again. Right. And then time passes. You're right back in the same right. place. Right. I had no desire to be close with the Lord. I just yep. wanted out of that, out of that situation. So I ended up moving, um, Back to Florida, like I said, three or four months, I, I got into a relationship, just texting, talking mm-hmm. with a girl from high school back in Missouri. Well, eventually that led to me moving back to Missouri mm-hmm. and, and then her and I got into a relationship and ended up even getting engaged. It was, you know, it was a quick relationship. I mean, it was, it was very fast to get engaged. We'd known each other for years. We knew each other through high school mm-hmm. and, and ended up getting engaged. Well, our relationship was awful. I mean, really, you know, we both partied way too much. We, we didn't treat each other like we should have. And uh, one day I got a call and it, it really was out of the blue, which it shouldn't have been <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> out of the blue. I get a call and she says, Hey, we're, I can't marry you, you know, and man, you know, back then it was just the worst thing that ever could have happened. You know, <laughs> it was off. It was terrible. But the, the problem was, you know, that led to drinking and partying for fun into staying drunk and staying stoned just so I didn't have to deal with the emotional side of the break. The pain. Of a break. Exactly. It was, it was numb the pain, mm-hmm. you know, and you can numb it for a long time. Yeah. And you were how old at this point? I, that, I was 20 years old. Yeah. yeah. So at that point I was, I was 20 and, uh, and still working for as a carpenter, s- still working as a carpenter in Missouri. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. And, but that, that shock took my partying from fun to, like I said, just staying drunk or stoned. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it went from even, I would go home on lunch and, and I had lived, I had lived in such a way where, well, I had a fake ID. 
So that I only ever had to use it twice. Yeah. Like I looked older because of my sleep habits, because of my partying habits. People thought I was in my late twenties and I was mm-hmm. 19, 20 years old. But so uh, good for delinquency, bad for life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Great. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to have, you know, fun. Yeah. And he just said quote unquote. Yeah. Quote, air, air quotes. <laughs> exactly. But you know, and it is fun. People say that lifestyle is not fun. They've never experienced it. It is fun. The Bible even says it's fun. Oh, but it's fun for a season. Yep. And the same thing as happiness versus joy. Right. I can give you a car. I can give you a donut and you can be happy. Right. But that is not the satisfied joy, that long-term peace and happiness. Right. Deep, deep in your soul. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's the same with that. That type of fun is only fun for, for a while until something happens. Yep. And then it becomes, you know, then, then you start, it becomes a crutch. You start to use it to deal with with pain or or with uh, any emotion you don't want to deal with. Yeah. And like anything um, else, the consequences start setting in, right? And then it all correct. exponentially grows in a bad way, right? And and so my my partying went from drinking and and popping pills to heavy drugs. I started getting into cocaine, started mm-hmm. selling cocaine, and then even uh, there towards the very end, I even started smoking methamphetamine. And uh, wow, I didn't know that's that's tough to get off of well thank keep going, god keep going, keep going. I, I never had i never liked it i did it just to help numb the pain but i didn't i i, I mean i enjoyed the other drugs but as far as meth is concerned and that was probably the lord mm-hmm. i never enjoyed it and that's interesting because i've heard a lot of people with addictions say that like because we think or people will think from the outside well if you don't like it why are you doing it Mm-hmm. But what was the mentality in the state? It was truly, it was just, I hate the situation, man. I hate, I hated being, uh, so I went from being in control of a relationship to having no control whatsoever, mm-hmm. you know, and losing control is, it's scary. I don't know if it's more for a man, but I mean, I mean I, everybody's different. Like some men, yes, yeah, some men, right, no, but yeah. I think overall every human on the planet, nobody wants to be out of control. Right. Yeah. To have no control over a situation anymore. Plus, you know, I thought I loved the girl, but mm-hmm. You know, now I look back and I thank the Lord. <laughs> I'm so thankful. <laughs> you know, but back then it was the worst thing ever. But so we were at a party one time and um, we'd bought quite a bit of cocaine and, and it was the most that I'd ever done. And, uh, and my heart started to feel like it was going to explode. Mm. Like I, I, it ached every beat I could feel. It felt like I was getting punched right in the heart. And, and I told, I went to a buddy of mine and I was like, man, my, my heart feels like it's going to burst. And he said, don't worry, man. He's like, just do some more. You'll be all right. Oh, that's great advice. That's exactly. And even as stoned and as drunk as I was, I remember specifically thinking, this guy's not my friend. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like I felt like I was going to die. And you were probably very close. Right. right. I mean, it, it. It felt like I was about to have a massive heart attack. I mean, there was so much pain in my chest and pressure. And, uh, yeah, that was the advice I got from my friends. <laughs> so, you know, it really, it's in the accelerated program. Yeah. Right. It, it really bothered me. So I ended up calling my sister and, and she said, come, come, just come visit, come to Florida, get out of there. And thankfully I, I was working for my cousin at that time and he was really, really cool about it. And our work had actually slowed down. It was probably the Lord because mm-hmm. we were busy up until that point. And he said, you know what? Go ahead. Go to Florida. Don't worry about it. I'll pay you while you're there, you know, or I'll oh, take wow. care of you while you're there. And, and so I ended up 
going to Florida, but, but my mindset was still, I can't be sober. And I especially can't be sober around my family. Mm-hmm. So I ended up bringing, I ended up bringing a couple weeks worth of methadone with me, which is synthetic heroin with me just to deal with my family. And an hour before I got to Florida, I remember I, I had stopped in Alabama and picked up my little sister, but it was an hour before I got to Florida. I stopped at a rest area so I could take mm-hmm. some methadone mm-hmm. just so I could deal with being around my parents. I, and it was because I knew better. I knew I, I, I knew the Bible, right? And I, and I was a Christian, but, but there's a point where you can, you can push God away and push God away and push God away for so long that he stops trying to talk to you. So that's what I'd done. You know, at first I was convicted about what I was doing, but by that point I knew, but I didn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. So, so my thought was I have to stay high, even in Florida. Hopefully they won't know, but I'm not going down there sober. Well, while I was there, I, I, I'd gotten to my, my parents' house. I was there and they're like, Hey, come to church with us, you know, and I ended up going to, to church with them. And the preacher actually preached on hell. And it, it really shook me up because I was at a point in, in life where I knew better. I know I was a Christian, but -hmm. I was so far from God and I was such a terrible example to other friends of mine because I was, the leader out of some of our friends, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I was thinking, and I got really convicted. I'm bringing my friends to hell, you know, and it, and it was sobering. But while I was down in Florida, I actually saw a, uh, a girl there in the church and, and I had a conversation with, with another fellow. His name's Ben, Ben Hampton. He's a really great guy. And, and that's, that's a, right. We, that's crazy. Cause we have another mutual friend, right? But he's an amazing human, right? Well, Ben was, he was, that's one thing he was so good at new people in the church. He would take them home and befriend them mm-hmm. and show them that he really loved them and cared about them. Well, we were sitting there and I'm not sure why I opened up to him because I didn't really know him at that time, <laughs> but, but I told him, you know, there was a girl there in the church. Her name's Katie, Katie Muller. And, uh, and I said, man. You know, I looked at her. She looked sweet Christian girl, you know, very pretty. And, uh, and I told Ben, I said, man, you know, I, I don't want to marry someone like the girls I've been dating. You know, mm-hmm. I knew that even then. I just looked at his temporary fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, except for the <clears throat> one girl I planned on marrying, which thank the Lord again. Yeah. So I, I told him, I said, I don't want to marry girls like I've been dating. I'd like to marry someone like Katie, you know, and, and, you know, he agreed. He thought, he thought, Obviously, that'd be better. <laughs> but so, anyways, after after a month, I was ready to get back to Missouri. Mm-hmm. I was ready. Oh, my my methadone supply was non-existent. I got a call from my buddy. Also, you know, hey, it's snowing in 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 Neosho, which mm-hmm. meant hey, we got more coke. Yes. So, so you were a functional addict, but you could communicate. Absolutely. And nobody even knew, but at all times you were under the influence. Um, yeah, well, I tried to be. You know, sometimes yeah. you'd run out of money. And I actually, in fact, that's how bad it got. The one party where I had um, felt like my heart was going to explode, I had actually brought my ex-fiance's engagement ring to a pawn shop to pawn it. And it was a platinum mm-hmm. twenty five, you know, $2,500 ring. And the guy's like, yeah, I'll give you 80 bucks. So I was like, <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> so I ended up borrowing money so I could, you know, yeah. party that weekend. And uh, But anyways, I decided to go back to Missouri, went back to Missouri, and it just wasn't the same. 
it wasn't the same. And I think it was the Lord, not it, because I had, because mm-hmm. in that, in that one service, when I, I felt like the Lord was talking to me again, then I, I got back to Missouri and the partying wasn't the same. It wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I made a conscious decision. I wanted to be done with that lifestyle. It wasn't really so much a spiritual decision. It was more, I just have to leave because I realized I was smoking meth, mm-hmm. you know, and I was, and I real, I, I saw, I had family members who were addicted to methamphetamine and I saw what it did to their lives mm-hmm. and I did not want that. So I made the decision to move to Florida. Well, I moved to Florida and I, I can't say enough about my sister, Heather. Um, sorry. No, I'll be sorry, man. It's just ironic. Sorry, man. God loves you, and it's a huge switch and change, and it's emotional. So thank you for sharing your story with us, brother. Yeah. Well, today's her birthday. Oh, really? Hey, man, we'll send her. She realized what a huge, powerful influence she's been for you? I don't know. You know, I haven't, I haven't been grateful enough to her. But she was, you know, she made my lunch every day, every single day, just to take care of me when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. She's just such a good, such a good person. I'm very grateful for her. But she was instrumental in keeping me here mm-hmm. at the beginning because she took care of me, you know. I went from partying, drinking. <laughs> she was rough on me too. If I if I went out and she thought I was partying, she'd reprimand me like a mom, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that good tough love. Yeah, it was, it was tough love. But people need that. Yeah. It really is tough love. Our our generation today, they just know this. Soft, Everything's right, okay. You know, and it's fine. No, it's worry. not. I need to be punched in the face sometimes. <laughs> so do you. <laughs> she has actually punched me in the face. What a good woman. <laughs> she did one time, yeah. She <laughs> And listen, to the audience, we're not yeah. advocating domestic no. violence, but no. we are advocating reality. Right. You, you know, yeah. you need to be tough on each other sometimes. And she it's... was, and she did it because I was drunk. I was 15 years old. <laughs> yeah. And, and she knew it, and, and she actually ended up saving me from my parents that day but i cussed her and she decided she'd had enough because <laughs> she was saving me then and, uh, and then you fast forward five fast forward, seven years and yeah. she's saving you again and she is and, and this time it's for you know spiritual reasons yeah and uh, she was she probably spinning your food but she still made yeah it. No, she, was, she, was, she i mean she went above and beyond little yeah. cups of fruit on the side you know, salad in a sandwich bag next to my sandwich so I could put salad on my sandwich and it wouldn't be yeah. soggy. I mean, it was... Showing you love. Exactly. She... And it was. And it was a year of that, probably. She ended up getting married mm-hmm. to who's now my best friend. That's awesome. And, and... But... But... So, during that time, I was very interested in Katie, the girl from the church I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. But she wouldn't show me the time of day. And it was driving me nuts because... <laughs> I'm not the best looking guy, but anytime I wanted to date a girl growing up, I dated him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure why. But with Katie, 
I was I, I couldn't understand it. <laughs> well, during this whole time, I was still smoking cigarettes. And I was still just one foot in the door, one foot out. And 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 it came to a point about nine months after nine to ten months after I moved to Can Florida. we pause for a second real yes. quick? This is an issue that comes up with a lot of people. And something you just said, you had one foot in and one foot out. Mm-hmm. The cigarettes. Now, we all know cigarettes, you know, 220 different chemicals plus per stick. We know they're bad for you. We're not saying if you're a smoker, you're not right with God, or you are right with God. But you will, what you're basically saying is that's still part of that carnal world that's feeding the flesh. It's still an addiction to fill a need. Mm -hmm. So for you, that was something that was putting you in bondage to being truly free. Correct. That's exactly right. So I just want the listeners, if you're listening... And you're really trying to, I've, I've heard so many people who are addicts, like I'm just thinking of one now, I have a good friend, we'll get together, we'll talk, you know, we kind of like, you know, those kind of friends, counsel each other almost, right? Mm-hmm. And he has someone in his life who was an addict, he's helping him out, and the kid wouldn't stop smoking and drinking beer. And to most people listening, like, oh, that's completely innocent. Mm-hmm. But when you're an addict, that's not innocent. That's just holding the door open. Right. It's like if you have a door that's locked, your front door, I can't push through that. But if you leave a crack and I can see light through it, man, I can just push it open. And even if you're trying to hold it shut, eventually you're going to get tired or not pay attention. I'm going to come through. And that's how these addictions are. But you acknowledge that at that point in your life. <clears throat> so that that's that's wonderful. Right. And that, and, and And so while I was there, too... While I was um, down here, I'm sorry, in Florida, I, I had gotten closer to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, I was in church every Sunday and Wednesday, which doesn't mean anything. The most carnal Christian could still be in church, you know, three times a week. Yeah, but you're but, not going to get fed if you're not there. That's true. But, but I mean, I still, I was drawing closer to the Lord, but still holding on to, to mm-hmm. old addictions. And, and uh, the problem, I got to Florida. I walked in the door the day I got to Florida and Katie, the, the girl I, I, had these feelings for her dad walks right up to me hey i heard you do construction i said yeah he's like you want to work for me i said sure (laughs) and i'm thinking oh no i smoke a pack a day this girl's dad has no idea that i smoke cigarettes you know and he he didn't know i liked her at the time obviously so the first day of work man he he's in I said, when do you need me? I just wanted a couple days off he said tomorrow i was like oh man (laughs) so so the the next day, I, I get there, and I'm dying because I was so used to smoking all day long, you know. And I'd run out to my car and smoke a cigarette. Well, within just a couple of weeks, he was like, hey, we, we live a half mile from each other. You just want to ride with me. So then I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, now I can't even smoke in the morning, you know. <laughs> So, so then I would only smoke on, on lunch edge. break. Nah, it wasn't too terrible. Okay. I probably was. Everybody else is like, man. Right. This guy's a jerk. Yeah. So it went from smoking, you know, just to lunch, smoking on lunch break when he would leave for lunch. And then I realized that most times we'd spend lunch together. So then it went from just smoking after work, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, okay, you know, and in anyways, I, I was ready to, I told the Lord. I'm done chasing after Katie. I, I have no clue if she's ever going to like me, you know, but I know that I personally need to quit smoking if I'm going to draw closer to you, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, th- I quit smoking. Three days later, 
it was it was Sunday Sunday morning, so that was uh, I guess a Thursday. So Sunday morning, I go to church, and they had this fellowship there, and Katie sits next to me, and, I, and I'm like, well, hey. "What's what's up?" So I mean, we'd been friends, yeah, but it was weird for her to go out of her way and sit next to me, and uh, so I ended up asking her. I said, "Hey, can I ask your dad if we can date?" You know, and uh, she said, "Yeah, I'd like that." So this was three days after she had no clue I smoked cigarettes. Yeah. You know, this was three days after I quit and, and, and I was like, Oh man, I was on cloud nine. You know, I went home. I was all happy all day. I get back to church that night and she said, Hey, I'm not ready for a relationship. It was crushing. Right. <laughs> it was like, okay. I walked out of church, got in my car, every single gas station. I went by on the way home. I was looking and I was like, oh man, I'm going to buy a pack of cigarettes. But I kept telling myself, no, when I stopped, when I decided to stop, I told God mm-hmm. I was going to stop so I could be close to him. So I just sulked, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but I ended up not going back to smoking. And it wasn't even two, two weeks later that she was my girlfriend. Nice. And, and now we're married. We have three kids. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, and, and I don't know why, you know, she didn't like me for that year, but <clears throat> I personally think God was just like, no, she wasn't <laughs> it's, not right gonna, time. it's not going to happen until you actually mm-hmm. are doing this for me, not for her. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, <clears throat> excuse me, that's, yeah, that's what ended up happening. So did you, so you were going, you got to the point, you know, you're making a decision, a, a habitual switch. And then you quit smoking, you gotta start dating, but then from there, what happens? So, um, we date, we had to date for a little while. She was still in nursing school. Okay. So she, we dated there for two years, roughly, before we got married. We ended up, we ended up married. It was amazing. I worked two jobs for, uh, a year. So we took like an eight week honeymoon. It was, it was incredible. Oh, yeah. Nice. It was awesome. But ended up married, came back. When I came back, so construction, this is, construction had really slowed down. Mm-hmm. This is 2010, you know, okay. a few years into the recession. Yeah. But, and after the housing bubble burst. So exactly. this is that you had an industry that was directly affected. Oh, big time. So, I mean, I went, so then I, I ended up working for direct TV there for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and that didn't end up working out. It was, I was working 70 hours a week and I was, I, mm-hmm. I got burned out, but I went back into construction. Construction ended up picking back up and I went into work for her dad and I worked for her dad for four years, five years. Mm-hmm. And, and then, so in 2011, sorry, back, let me backtrack. Actually, while we're backing up, I do want to, we kind of skip things because in the listener's mind, as we're talking, I know more of your story. We went from you were smoking and doing hard drugs. When did that all stop? That stopped in, I'm sorry. Yeah, that stopped. That's in, important. Like, I mean, it, it wasn't you quit smoking and life's good. No, 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 no. So I, I quit everything finally in 2008. It took a year. I moved to Florida okay. in 2007. Okay. And so it took about a year. I quit in 2008. And now, okay, so that's a good point. So you made the decision to quit, but it wasn't in an immediate Everything stopped one day. There was oh, no. a fight, it a was struggle, a process. Absolutely. It was, it was definitely a process. Well, when I first moved here, I still, I would drink when I could, mm-hmm. uh, which was sporadic. Like I said, my sister was a little, <laughs> she yeah. was, she was tough on me, <laughs> but it was not. It was, it was a process. But and did you have, if you can, when you're telling this part of the story for the listeners, 
part of the show is to not only hear your story, but how you got through it so people can do it. What are the things you did to overcome this? Um, <coughs> like, so, did you have an accountability partner? Actually, did you just continue to beat yourself in the head? I mean, what did you do to get through this? I, I continued to just kind of beat myself in the head. I didn't have an accountability partner, but that is wise. Accountability partner is wise in mm-hmm. from co- overcoming many addictions. But uh, no, I didn't. I, I I really got into the Bible. I I I, I tried to get closer to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and I, I helped there at the church. And I and I also saw God do some amazing things too. While I was there, you know, when I, when I first moved here, I took a, a large pay cut, mm-hmm. very large pay cut, benefits and everything included. Well, from union work yes. to hourly. <laughs> it was bad. If you're not familiar with the union, you can Google it, but they pay well. And yes. then when you leave, not so much. No, no. And so, there's, per, there's cons with the union too. I'm just oh, saying the, the pay yeah. is definitely higher. It is. It's, it was much higher. Yeah. And, um, but I was broke, man. <laughs> and, and I saw God take care of me time and again. I mean, just so for instance, there was a time when my battery light was coming on and mm-hmm. I did not have money for a battery. I didn't have 150 bucks, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I was really sweating it. And well, what happened was the church was putting on a Christmas play and I decided I'd go help build the stage. My battery light had been on, my car had been acting funny. And this was for a couple of days. I was really nervous. Well, I get to the church, we work there all day and I come out and start my car and my battery lights off. Mm. I'm like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, and it worked. My, my car was, it stopped doing its little, like getting ready to die thing. You know, it was kind of bogging down. And, uh, I kid you not, my battery light was off. Uh, It goes for a couple weeks. I finally have enough money to do it. Battery light comes on, car dies. So I was able to go out and buy a new battery. Got you just what you needed. Yes. It got me through, but I, I thought that was, I just remember thinking, that's so cool. Yes. You know, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a million dollars, man. No. It's what you need when you need it. Right. God provides. Jehovah yes. Jireh. Right. <laughs> well, during that time, about 2011, I'm, I'm online and I was researching because the Bible talks about the mark of the beast, right? Mm-hmm. So, so some, someone had posted online. It's either the Saudi Arabian currency or Bitcoin. And I was like, what? What is Bitcoin? I've never heard of this, you know? So I started doing some research and they were three bucks a piece. And I was like, <clears throat> that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I would never spend $3 on something that's not real. <laughs> that's my exact, exact thought. And know? if you don't know why we're laughing as a listener, keep listening. You'll figure it out fast. Yeah. So, so it was 2012. This is the next year, you know? Mm-hmm. So at this point, again, let's summarize. So you went through, you made a commitment, you had ups and downs, you right. got off the drugs, you get off the alcohol, you even stopped smoking, you meet this girl, you start dating, you get married, and now you're working a job, not a lot of money, struggling to get by, and then on top of it, you're reading an article because you're in the Bible, and you start talking about Mark of the Beast, digital currencies, the future. Mm-hmm. And now this is where we're at. Correct. Yeah. And so, I mean, not much happened. I mean, I mean, we did, we had, we've had three sons. I mean, but there, there wasn't much of like a drastic life change mm-hmm. during, during that time. So I'll just get more into the currency side of it, I guess. One more thing. I'm sorry. As the audience, we're going back and forth, but that's part of the show. Not scripted. It's just life. When you were reading your Bible, because some people get discouraged when they're reading their Bible, like, I don't even understand this. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure you had moments like that. So when you were saying you did it on your own, I'm guessing, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but was there someone you went to ask questions? Yes, my dad. You know, there was there were times I'd go to my dad. <clears throat> but again, I grew up in a Christian home. So I was so you, very familiar with the Bible. So you had more exposure I, than I the had, average human. Yes, I had a lot of exposure. But when you did have a question, you went to your dad. I went to my dad or I'd, I'd go to the pastor of the church I was I was at. Okay, so for the audience listening, if you have questions... When you're reading your Bible, there's a story of the Ethiopian eunuch, and he is sitting there reading his Bible, and he doesn't understand it, but he wants to know God. So God sends someone his way to explain it. So that's one of the beautiful things about a church environment. If you have a good Bible-preaching church, they're going to be able to help you understand God's Word. Because the truth is, all truth comes from God. And when we are in our lives, if we just follow the instruction book, man, we have peace and joy. doesn't mean life's going to be easy. But it means we're always have that peace and that contentment and that joy throughout the even worse trial. So I just want people, again, I don't want to keep jumping back and forth, but you did have someone to help you. You did have someone to guide you. Maybe it wasn't an, an AA partner to keep you, hey, you drinking today? Mm-hmm. But it was someone when you had a question like, man, I'm struggling. Why is God allowing this? Why did God let this happen? Right. And they can answer that question for you. Right. So, all right. So now let's get to the, a lot of people want to hear this because it's about money and wealth and, and to see how you went from a very low income struggling to eat to where you are today. So yes, in 2011, I, I'd found out about Bitcoin. $3 ridiculous for air numbers, whatever. Yep. And 2012, I'm, I'm, I was working actually. I remember we were on lunch break. And, and I'm scrolling through. I was a news junkie. So I was scrolling through the news on my phone and I see Bitcoin collapse. And my very, my first thought was, Oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't buy that for three bucks a coin or three bucks, you know, for, for nothing. And all of a sudden I open it up and Bitcoin had collapsed from $250 down to 70. And I'm thinking, oh no, this is, (laughs) I can't believe it. You know, I passed up on Bitcoin when it was $3. And, and then we, so I finally figured out back then it was really, it was difficult to buy Bitcoin. I had to go through an exchange, Mount Gox Mm -hmm. and uh, it took about two weeks. But so what happened was, it was scary too. I mean, I'm putting my money in the unknown. Oh, it was. Yeah. But I mean, it was $500 and I had just lost $500 on a Ponzi scheme. Mm. I was an idiot. I knew full well it was a Ponzi scheme. I was just You're <laughs> hoping, hoping that I was still in the beginning. I mean, I bought into that thing and it <laughs> crashed the next day. I was like, oh man. So that was stupid on my part. But so anyways, but after that, I, I went up to my wife. I said, hey, I'd like to uh, put 500 bucks in Bitcoin. And she said, eh. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, we were actually our first year of marriage. And, well, actually, still at that time, she was an RN. Mm. So she was making really good money and I wasn't doing bad. We were doing well together. That was two years into our marriage. Okay. And, uh, and so we had some extra cash. <clears throat> and uh, I told her, yeah, I'd like to put $500 in Bitcoin. She's like, well, you know, you can if you want. She's like, I, I, I trust you. And it wasn't, and again, just you have a good biblical marriage at this point. You're not asking her for permission. She's not asking you. You're making equally yoked decisions. Correct. Yeah. I, I just don't want people to think Dominic's his wife's bitch or, and, no. or anything like that. Yeah, no. Or she's his. No, I mean, they, they I, love I, each other. I wanted other. to talk to her because, you know, I had just lost 500 bucks. Yeah. But you're equally yoked. You're Correct. having respect for each other. Exactly. It's a balanced relationship. Right. I could have said, hey, I'm taking 500 bucks and doing this. And but, she could have said no. And well, yeah, I just try to show her to the audience, we want balanced, godly relationships. And you had that at that point. So Correct. that was great. Yeah. 
So, so anyways, I ended up getting the money. Finally, it was right there on the exchange. And I, the reason I wanted it is I, I didn't know what Bitcoin was. I still had no idea, but I had watched it go every single day, mm-hmm. 70 to 200 mm-hmm. and back to, I, I mean, this is multiple times a day. A bounce. Bounce. A huge bounce. We're talking 200%, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to take 500 bucks. I'm going to buy it. At, I'm going to buy it when it's low. I'm going to sell it high and I'm going to keep doing it over and over and over, you know? Well, I get my money on the exchange. It had leveled out. I, I missed the initial drop. Uh, it had leveled out at about 130, 135. So I told her, Hey, look, I'm getting ready to, I'm going to buy Bitcoin. And she says, Oh, why don't you just wait one day? I said, look, I'm not going to wait a day because it was just 250. Now it's 130, you know? So I said, I'm going to go ahead and buy it. So I went ahead and bought it. No joke. 135. It was the last time it saw 135. And mm. then it dropped to 70 over the next day. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, if I'd have waited one day, if I, I could just have listened to my wife. Right, right. <laughs> she has some wisdom. So, but she's sweet. She didn't rub it in my face or anything. That's Even awesome. though I, I still told her, hey, look, you know, it dropped. But so. You're doing the dishes for a month, but yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I ended up getting into Bitcoin. And during that time, like I said, it was just, there was no, the, the volatility had evaporated. Mm-hmm. So I was. I, there was nothing for me to do except watch it. Well, during that time, I decided to go ahead and research. And so I found out it was a cryptocurrency. So I'm like, okay, what is a cryptocurrency, right? So I start researching and then I find out that there's multiple other cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. And, and I started looking at those and, and, you know, still not understanding anything other than this is 30 cents. Okay. Bitcoin used to be a fraction of a cent. Mm-hmm. If this is 30 cents, it can go up to, you know, a thousand bucks, not understanding mm-hmm. supply and demand, you know, and, and uh, market cap and yep. stuff like that at the time. <laughs> and uh, so I, I went ahead and started investing in the other cryptocurrencies. So, but I would trade those against Bitcoin. So just, just, I would use Bitcoin like the dollar mm-hmm. and I would buy, you know, Litecoin mm-hmm. and then Litecoin would go up. And I'd sell it back to Bitcoin. So, you know, I went from, I started with 3.5, roughly, Bitcoin. And I traded, I lost it all the way down to like 1.7 when I first started trading. (laughs) And then I ended up doing pretty successful at that time. So Bitcoin also, there was, it had a, it had a black eye. Well, it was used for drugs a lot, a lot. On the dark web, you know. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a website called the the Silk Road, and everyone said if the Silk Road shuts down, Bitcoin's dead. There's no other purpose for Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you know, other than drugs. Well, that just that happened just three months after I bought Bitcoin had actually worked its way back up to about where I bought it. Well, we get a notification: Dread Pirate Roberts, whatever, was arrested. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his his actual name right now. Instead of the dread pirate, they call him the drug pirate. Yeah, sure. But uh, he, so he was running the, he was running that exchange apparently. Well, they arrested him, shut the, shut the website down and Bitcoin dropped from 120 bucks to 60 instantly. Okay. So I'm thinking, Oh no, you know, here it goes. Well, it went from 60 over the next six months to 1200. So, oh. so that disproved the theory that Bitcoin is only there for drugs. 
know? and that that leads me to the few like looking back five years it's mm. pretty much with cryptocurrency it's the exact opposite of what you expect right. if good news comes out currency drops right if bad news comes out it shoots up through the roof exactly yeah it's crazy it, it, it is it's hard to it's hard to predict it's, yeah. it's really hard to predict consistently yeah our friend who made that public quote he's in big trouble if things don't change soon McAfee. Oh man, yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> He's hilarious. He's hilarious. I, I don't want to. A shout out to McAfee. Uh, you're so, you're one of those geniuses that nobody understands. But man, you better hope Bitcoin goes up. Or you're gonna have some surgery. I think it's next year, isn't it? Twenty twenty. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, during that during that time, Bitcoin went from sixty to twelve hundred. So I'm all pumped. You know, I I end up celebrating and buying a nice tablet for myself, and you know. Uh, cashing some Bitcoin out. And then in 2000, well, so I saw it was back 2013, 2014, exchanges were lacking. Mm -hmm. They were awful. Mm -hmm. Uh, there were websites, Cripsy was one of the websites and it had, it was terrible. Mm -hmm. If it had volume, it would, it would glitch out. And, and you can't do that in finance. You know, mm -hmm. you can't have your website drop out in the middle of trades. Yeah. And to people who don't understand trading, you need live active right. connections. Yes. And you need to be able to wait, 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 boom, buy, wait, 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 sell. I mean, it has to be spot on. And that's what you're talking about. Exactly. It has to be instantaneous. Outages where you couldn't access it. Yeah. Because in cryptocurrency, we would have 100% swings sometimes in seconds. Yeah. I remember you told me a story. You took a shower and lost 30 grand or something. Yeah. It, yeah, it was, it was terrible. There were, there were some, there were some, some trading was awful. And, and to go back to your income at this point, you don't have to disclose it, but I mean, it was like, it was, uh, it was a living income. It okay. was paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck. It was living. paycheck to paycheck. Okay. And then there, now this is all happening. You're investing. This you're is still paycheck to paycheck. Yep. Even So I, I wasn't touching my crypto. So during the day you're working. Yes. During the day I'm working. Okay. And, and this is still, you know. Hobby. Yes, definitely. Just a hobby. But I saw the need for a good crypto exchange. Mm -hmm. So I randomly contacted a developer in California. We ended up becoming friends and, and they said, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll build an exchange. Right. So. So that ended up never coming to fruition, right? It was, it just became this long drawn out process, which development a lot of times mm -hmm. does become Takes that. years, it's, teams of people. Right, right. And I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I got discouraged. 2000, Bitcoin had dropped also. Bitcoin well, let's went, go back. Let's go back to where it was growing in Europe, 1200. Let's yeah. push the. So it was growing, it went up to 1200 and then the bottom fell out. I mean, it went from 1200 to 200 in minutes. <laughs> and, and then it did these crazy swings where it would go 200 to 800. But, mm. you know, then I'm panicky and, and I'm, I'm too nervous to buy. I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't have the poise, you mm -hmm. know, and, and so, but I watched it and, and it leveled out about 400 bucks. And actually that was the time we were, we were actually in the hospital. My wife was having our second son. So I was distracted with that. <laughs> I was discouraged that the Bitcoin exchange didn't happen. And I just stopped trading. Okay. So I, I got out of trading and I just kind of stopped the whole Bitcoin scene. I think I ended up after cashing everything out, I was down to two Bitcoin, you know, and they were only worth 250 bucks a piece. Okay. And so I was just, I moved them over to a different exchange, forgot about them. So you, you paid know. for an education. Right. Right. You didn't really lose, but you no, didn't I make didn't, it. No, I, I made money. I, I made, made money, a few yeah. thousand dollars, you know, yeah, which But is nothing great. to retire on. Nothing. No, nothing to retire right. on. And so 2000, that was 2014. So between then and 2016, 
you know, our family grew from, from four to five. We had another son. We have three boys. Nice. And uh, one of which you gave me these awesome right. balloons. Yeah. Luke, a shout out to you. I appreciate the balloons and I will be pelting my kids with water balloons later this afternoon. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, but during that time, like I said, it just went back to construction. I was doing construction. Katie had actually gone from working full time after our second child was born to actually it was after our first child was born. So money got much tighter mm-hmm. after our, after our first son was born because she just went to working Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And after our second child was born, it was every other Saturday. <laughs> and then when our last child was born, she said, Hey, I, I, I think Family I'd like first, to quit yeah. my job, you know? And I'm thinking, oh, okay. Yeah, we can do this. We can do it. You know, I'm, and I still wasn't making much money, but I had started my own construction company at that time. Mm-hmm. I was still working for her dad, but I was making a lot more money per mm-hmm. hour. It was just enough to support a family. So I was nervous, but God had actually really blessed me on just, I, I think it's because I put him first. I continued to faithfully give, mm-hmm. you, you, no matter what my financial situation was. He always took care of our bills. <clears throat> mm-hmm. He always took care of our family. We never were, oh, what are we going to eat ever? Never laid on bills. Never, you know, he always took care of us, but I always made sure to give him, you know, I always tied, always gave mm-hmm. him missions. But and a lot of people don't understand that, but in my experience, the most wealthy balanced people are givers. Correct. And the people who struggle most with money aren't. And I'm not a pastor. I'm not going to gain from this in any way. But if you're out there listening, the biblical standard, and some people say it's an Old Testament standard, but it's a life standard. And it's you give 10% of everything you've been given back to God. And it's not a requirement it's a thank you. Like, wow, God, you just gave me all this money. Mm-hmm. Thank you for it. And that's why he doesn't ask for a number. He asks for a percentage. It's just an acknowledgement just to keep us balanced right. and in check. And you respected that. And let's see, let's the audience let know how it worked out for you. Right, right. <laughs> and, I mean, and like you said, even in, there, there are a lot of businessmen who aren't Christians and they mm-hmm. still live by the principle. Absolutely. And, and that's because the, it's a biblical principle. You reap what you sow. They call mm-hmm. it karma. Yep. <laughs> but it, but it is. There's a thousand and names for it. But it's the same exactly, biblical concept. You reap what you sow. So you yeah. give. I, I didn't give to get, but I definitely got. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's like love. Correct. We don't want a husband or wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever, that's forced to love us, quote unquote. We want somebody who loves us out of their heart, right? Unconditional, true love, and that's where the the, I guess, love comes in the peace, the emotion, right? But with money. Money is a tool. God doesn't care about money. He has everything. But when you give and help others, it's love and action. It's charity. It's showing an appreciation. God, thank you for what you've given us. And you were faithfully doing that, whether you made a dollar, whether you made a million. And right. God honors that. He did. And and there were times, well, I always made money on the side. There was actually, I, I have a YouTube channel where I had like five and a half million views on my videos. Oh, really? You still <laughs> yeah. have it? Yeah, I don't do it anymore, but yeah. Oh, we'll put that in the show. Yeah, yeah it was so. called Help You Win It. It was it was video game walkthroughs for uh, like puzzle games on cell phones. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I was making money from that. Well, I went from that to, I'm sorry, before that, I was making money flipping PlayStations. I'd buy a PlayStation, a crappy listed PlayStation mm-hmm. on Craigslist, and I would... Wipe it down, clean it up, set the games up, 
take pictures and sell it for almost twice what I bought it for. And I, I was always making money on the side. Always looking for opportunity. Always. Always looking for opportunity. So it went from PlayStations to to YouTube, mm-hmm. where, where I was making money on YouTube. And then it went to side jobs for construction. So instead of, you know, God really blessed me. It was 2015 where I had this huge remodel job. So, but it was multiple thousand dollars that I made on the side. Mm-hmm. So I had this big chunk of money. That's when Katie said, you know, hey, I think I would like to quit my job. Well, I, the only debt that I had was my van or our van, our minivan mm-hmm. for, for our family. Yeah, I'm a minivan dad. <laughs> but uh, so we had a minivan and, and I had this chunk of money and, and I said, you know, tax time's coming up. I already know we're going to get a refund just because the way American taxes are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, earned income credit, child tax credit. Mm-hmm. So, so I took that money and I paid my van off. It, it left me with, I don't know, $1,000 in the bank, maybe. Mm-hmm. But income tax came and it was the biggest income tax check we ever got. <laughs> and it, I think it's because we just had our third son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and shout out to your third son. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> so, so, but we had this chunk of money sitting in the bank and then I saw up another opportunity to make money. I, I bought this Honda Civic mm-hmm. for three grand. This girl had this 2007 Civic with 92,000 miles on it, you know, and the only thing wrong was the AC didn't work and there was a dent in the bumper. Wow. So, but she was told, you know, it was going to cost a thousand dollars to mm-hmm. fix the AC. And I'm thinking, okay, four grand for this vehicle is nothing. I can mm-hmm. still turn around and sell it. So I, I take it, take the dent out of the bumper myself. <clears throat> I spent $13 and 50 cents on fuses mm-hmm. and that fixed the AC. Wow. <laughs> so I'm in this, I'm in this car for $3,500 tax tag title, every fix. I turn around and flip that. Um, for sixty seven fifty, mm-hmm. so I made a quick three three grand, you know, a little over three thousand. So, Katie comes to me and says, you know, hey, I'd, I'd like to quit my job, and I said, okay, you know, I know God will take care of us. He always has. She quit her job, and in quitting her job, she had her four hundred one k. Well, her four hundred one k was just you know four thousand dollars. It wasn't much, mm-hmm. a couple years worth of work, and uh, and most of that was weekend work, anyways. So. You know, I get this gut feeling that I can't explain other than I really feel like it was the Lord. Mm-hmm. I have never had a gut feeling like that in my life, but I needed to revisit Bitcoin. And I'm thinking, you know, I, we we don't need her 401k. Mm-hmm. I've got the money from flipping that car, you know, mm-hmm. and and so that was $4,500. No, I'm sorry. It was $4,000. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, 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 and Bitcoin was four fifty. Mm-hmm. 450 bucks. It had gone up actually. So Bitcoin dropped all the way from 12 over those two years. Mm-hmm. Dropped from 1200 down to 200. I think it, it actually ended up bottoming out at 197. So, so, but it had worked its way back up to 450. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you know, I had this chunk of, you know, four grand and I had this gut feeling I had to get into Bitcoin and I had to do it now. Mm-hmm. So I went to my wife. I said, Hey, I have. Got to get into Bitcoin. I said, we don't need this money right now. I've just got a gut feeling I need to get back in. This is 2016. Yeah. And your wife's so, thinking, I got three kids and I want to well, get leave work she's and a, she's supporting you. She is. She's amazing. Yeah. My, she really is incredible. I'm so thankful for her. Yeah. Uh, pretty much if I say, hey, I'd like to do this, she's go for it. You know, yeah. she's, she's incredible. So, and, and uh, we're coming up on 10 years actually. <laughs> Congratulations. So, um, so. Only 40 more to go. Yeah, right. That's, <laughs> That's right. awesome. Yeah. 
You get to do 40 more. Exactly. Yeah. But go ahead. So I take the 401k and at this time, my dad actually had some extra money too. And he decided to put it into Bitcoin as well with me. So we both put our money in. Man, it wasn't. A week later, it's 580. We're like, oh, yes, this is awesome. You know, it was a couple months later, it's 900. And we're like, oh, yeah, we just doubled our money. And during this time, I'm going, I'm back into trading alternate currencies, mm-hmm. you know. So, and that's where, you know, in fact, let me, let me, let me backtrack. When I first got in, I had just a little under 10 Bitcoin. I remember telling my wife specifically, I just want 10 Bitcoin. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. Well, I had made bad trades and I was back down to like eight. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was so discouraged. And, um, I had another friend who had watched Bitcoin go up as I, I was trying to get all my friends into it. And he watched it go up. Wish I knew you then. (laughs) So he said, you know, I'll give you a thousand bucks. And so he gave me a thousand dollars. That's back when it was before the crash, the initial crash. Mm -hmm. So, so I had lost his money back then. I lost, but he was really, he's a great, great guy. He didn't care. And he's an investor. You only invest what you can afford to lose. And that's exactly how it was. We stayed friends. He didn't care. He never even mentioned the money again. Yeah. If somebody Um, invests money and then, brings it up they don't understand investing yeah and i'm sorry but if you've lost money investing yeah i didn't mean to offend you but (laughs) don't invest in anything that you don't understand and that you're not willing to lose that's exactly what i told everyone anybody who did i tried to encourage them to get in but i was always telling them i was encouraging them never to put money in they couldn't lose yeah and that's with that 401k money i could have lost it yep you know you didn't want to but you could have exactly but, um, like there's people during time, they were literally mortgaging their house to buy Bitcoin. And that's insane. Absolutely. I mean, I understand a few people made money, but many more are homeless. So Absolutely. I don't want to be stealing your time, but let's, let's do this. Keep going. Keep right. going. So, so we started watching Bitcoin creep up, but all alternate coins, which are everything other than Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, alternate cryptocurrency. Crypto. Yeah. But they all kind of Bitcoin, even at this point was emerging as a standard and everything else kind of sent. Around it. Correct. Bitcoin was the center of it. Still, yeah. Bitcoin, most alternate, most Bitcoin exchanges, mm-hmm. other than like dollar, you, fiat exchanges, mm-hmm. are still Bitcoin is the base currency. Yes. You know. So, but during this time, I'm trading these other coins. Well, one day, there's Ethereum mm-hmm. came out, right? And so, but Ethereum ended up going through a very large scale hack. It was the DAO, the DAO, mm-hmm. and and. What happened was the founder of Ethereum and a lot of the other higher-ups in Ethereum lost a lot of money in that hack. Mm-hmm. So it was the consensus, quote-unquote, to split the chain off. And they they would go back before the hack, the block before the hack, and, and continue Ethereum from there on. So what that did was that created Ethereum Classic and then what was now the new Ethereum on a new chain. Uh, so the old chain that had been hacked continued as Ethereum Classic, and the new chain was Ethereum continuing. Gotcha. So what? What? But I had watched Ethereum Classic after it came out went up to about half of Ethereum's price, and then was dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. And I was, I was so tired of losing money, but I. I had this ridiculously low buy order on Ethereum Classic. Mm-hmm. It was literally the second lowest buy order ever to fill. 
Wow. Yeah. So, so, so you're doing the Warren, <laughs> the Holy Spirit's leading you to the Warren Buffett. It was when just, everybody's running, oh, everyone. you're buying. That's right. So as Ethereum got down, Ethereum Classic, I'm sorry, got down so low, I, I decided, you know what? I'm putting everything into this. It was a stupid decision, honestly. <laughs> so I put eight Bitcoin in it. I went to sleep and woke up and my eight Bitcoin was worth 20. And I was Woo! jumping up and down. Uh, you know, I'm freaking out, telling my wife, Oh my goodness, look at this. Well, by the end of the day, you know, it's worth 20, 25, 30, you know, because it was literally the second lowest buy order. And mm. then it just bounced like crazy. So I end up selling it, selling it, getting back into Bitcoin. Call my buddy. Hey man, you know that thousand dollars you gave me? I got it back. You know, now it's nice. worth 1800, you know. So and you feel like, yes. Yes. I told him because I didn't, he was a really good friend of mine. Yes. And I, I could have just pretended, you know, hey, you know, sorry, I lost your money that one time. But so I decided to give him back mm -hmm. the amount of Bitcoin he had originally bought. And at that point, did he cash out or did you keep no, investing it? No, okay. he said, hey, keep, keep investing okay, it. Keep and, I, and we agreed it would be an 80 20 type thing. No, I'm sorry. He and I didn't agree. I, I just continued with, I, what I did was I gave him a percentage mm -hmm. of all of my Bitcoin. And as I increased, mm -hmm. I gave him that. Because to you, that was respect. It wasn't required or legal. Correct. Just it was respect. Correct. And he helped you with seed money and. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and during this time. That's my, integrity and honor. Well, but, I, yeah. I, I try to, I try to be honorable. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so. I, but I continued to invest and continue to invest. Well, I'll tell you my, one of my failure stories, my worst investment ever was, uh, 2017, the beginning of 2017, I had worked my way up to 40 plus Bitcoin. Wow. And you know, 2000. So, so it was worth 50, 60 grand, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and by the way, once it got up about that price, I took my original investment back out. So this is so, all play money. This now. is all, yeah, play money. But I put almost all of it into Ripple. And Ripple was a fraction of a cent at mm. that time. I mean, we're talking, I had four million Ripple, four and a half million Ripple. Oh, wow. And they were, it was worth 40 grand, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, but I was impatient. I knew Ripple was going to be big just because it's not technically a decentralized cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. And banks don't, they want nothing to do with decentralized crypto because mm -hmm. they can't control it. So, so this was a company that had its own cryptocurrency that was going to be used for bank transfers. Uh, you know, it's a much faster bank transfers, mm -hmm. bank to bank. So I knew it was going to be big. I thought it was going to be later in, you know, so yes. I went ahead and I had decided after holding it there for a while to sell all of it. Sold all of it back into Bitcoin. Oh no. It went up from a fraction of a cent to 20, 30 cents. And, oh no. Uh, I know. And I'm thinking, oh man, that's like a million bucks. I just lost, I just missed out on a million dollars, you know? Uh, how do you so, process that? Well, I, you don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> if you do, you, you get depressed, you know? Yeah. So, so then I'm like, okay, it's going to drop back down. I'll buy back in. Well, it didn't. You know, it never dropped back down. And by the end of 2017, it was $3.75 a piece. We're talking 15, 16 million dollars I missed oh. from, you know. But you got a great story. Yeah, <laughs> right. Now I got a good story. It's, it makes a good podcast. <laughs> but so, but, but through that time, I still, I was, I was, I did very well. Mm -hmm. You know, in 2017, 2017, I had done well enough where I had a business partner. 
this, so I can, we decided to try the exchange again. Mm -hmm. This time we started investing money in it because I had it. And you don't have to disclose how much, but you went from working and doing this as a hobby everything exploded right. and you didn't even have to see how many coins you had because people could do the math. Right. But you kind of skipped a bit. So I'm trying to fill in. Right. And you went from everyday life to now being independently wealthy and probably never have to work again. Yeah. It depends on what Bitcoin does. Yeah. 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 But I mean, so, but you were in a really good situation. Yes. Well, what, and this is the thing. My you weren't talking partner, 10 and 20 coins anymore. No, no, no. No. Yeah. It had gone up substantially. You have a remarkable story. Yeah. There. So, but, but, and this is what's great that came out of, even though the exchange never worked out, we became friends mm-hmm. and, and he's very business smart. He's very wise, but uh, he, he said, why are you still working? You know, and this is, I, I had enough money to quit my job. And I said, yeah, well, that's how I support my family. And he's like, all right. He's like, he's just being nice. <laughs> he mm-hmm. said, let me just ask you a couple questions. I said, okay. He said, when do you make the most money? I said, nights and weekends, you know, when I'm trading crypto, he said, mm-hmm. and when you make the least amount of money. And he, and I said, well, when I'm working <laughs> and he's like, okay, <laughs> simple math, there, buddy. <laughs> right. so man, and this is cool. This is a testament to the Lord as well. It, it, really, even him, he's, he's mm-hmm. not a Christian mm-hmm. and it blew his mind when I told him. So I had decided to put my two week notice in my boss thought I was an idiot because at that time I still, you know, I still, I still didn't have enough money to retire on, not even close, but I was making so much money trading. It made no sense for me to work, to, to work for that kind of job. For you the, were working. Right. I mean, even in worst five. case scenario, I have to go back to work, you know, mm-hmm. but he was smart. He told me, look, how much do you make? It was measly. I'm talking like, I figured it out. I was like 30 grand a year, 35 from your day job, from my day job. Yeah. So 35 you know, grand a year. It's yeah. very difficult to support a family. Yeah, absolutely. Especially a family of five. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, what, but what I figured was I could live on, he said, why don't you just quit your job? Don't cash out all your Bitcoin. He said, and Bitcoin at this time was $1,700 mm-hmm. when Bitcoin was 1700. And he said, Worst case scenario, you know, we'll see how it goes in six months. If you haven't made enough money um, to support your family, if you haven't made your six months back, go back to work. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's smart. You know, that's a good idea. So I went ahead, called my boss, gave my two week notice, went on to Coinbase, which is the easiest way. Um, here's a plug for Coinbase, I guess. <laughs> if you're in, a, if you're in the U.S. and you want to buy and sell Bitcoin, use Coinbase. Um, I'm going to take it a step further. If you want to do it in the U.S. and save money, use Coinbase Pro. Pro, that's right. <laughs> Pro.coinbase.com. Not that not I invest. <laughs> yeah, not that I invest, but if I did, hypothetically, that's what I'd use. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it makes the most sense for U.S. citizens. In fact, it's one of the only ones left we can trade on. Yeah, and just so the audience knows, to help you, if you are interested in investing, please seriously pray about it. Do not invest money you're not willing to lose. And the Coinbase and Coinbase Pro, they're pretty safe platforms. Absolutely. We're going to give them a plug for this. But the Coinbase Pro, the fees are less. It's a little more intimidating if you're new and it's a little more techy. Is that how Correct. you explain yeah, it? Yeah, it's a lot. It's more complex. But. It's more complex. But if you can take the time to figure it out, you're going to save a lot of money in fees. Money. And uh, my friend Dominic taught me that because I lost, I wasted a ton of money trading on uh, the standard traditional. Coinbase or, platform. Or not just Coinbase, but other 
other platforms. And I was like, when you opened my eyes and showed me that, that was that bold new world they sing in the song. <laughs> it was awesome. Right. I saved, I made money just on the fees. Mm-hmm. So saving the fees. So but at that time, I gave my two week notice. I went to cash out, mm-hmm. right? And it was going to be $18,037. And, but I panicked because I had two bank accounts attached to it. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and went back and checked to make sure I had the right bank account I was cashing into and went back and it was only worth $17,988. And, and, and I was like, oh man, you know, I just lost like, I just lost some money, mm-hmm. you know, no big deal. Well, I had just got done working the most I ever worked for that company. I, I was driving a delivery truck at that time, actually, I forgot. Mm-hmm. So I had worked 60 plus hours in one week, 50 something hours the next week. I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And Coinbase said, you know, your money will be in your bank in three to five days. And so I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Well, the next morning was payday from all of that overtime I'd worked. Well, I, I wake up and I, I look at my bank account and I had a deposit from HD Supply was the company I worked for and a deposit from Coinbase. My deposit cleared overnight, which mm-hmm. was crazy. But I really think it was the Lord <laughs> because, yeah. because my paycheck from all of that overtime and all of the work was $1,798. One, seven, nine, eight. And my Bitcoin deposit from the dollars from that was one, seven, nine, eight, eight from just my site. It was exactly the same first four numbers. <laughs> yeah, but you got a fifth number. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, exactly. But I had a fifth number, which was again an eight, but I thought it was the Lord like, I got this. Like, you know, look, you worked, you worked 110 hours for that. And you did this in your side time. You yeah. Know? And you just made 10 times the money. And 10 times the money. Uh, and, and, you know, and so I, I just thought that was awesome. I actually have a screenshot of that. I'll have to get it to you. But uh, we'll put that up to encourage the listeners. Yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was incredible. And, and eight, what's, do you know the biblical significance of eight? What is it? It's a new beginning. Is it? Yep. That's yeah. It. There, every, there's numbers like six is Correct. man or yeah. six, 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 the mark of the beast. Seven is perfection or the Trinity, seven, seven, seven. And then eight is a new beginning. Yeah. And there's so many numbers that have significance in the Bible, but yeah, uh, yeah it was, it was just really, really cool. But yeah, I remember just, I told, and I told my friend that who wasn't a Christian and he's a, he's a mathematician and he's like, that's pretty crazy. (laughs) What are the odds of that mathematician? I said that and he's like, "Eh, that's unbelievable. You know, he's still, he had a hard time not explaining that as God. (laughs) Yeah. You can't, you can't. Yeah. Everybody has a different worldview and I get that. Mm -hmm. But if we're, I remember deciding in my life. Is there God or is there not a God? Is this just BS that people use to control society or is God real? Right. And man, if I'm looking at life, at science, at any aspect, and I'm looking at impartial, at minimum, you have to see a creator. I, I mean, there is a creator. Absolutely. And then when you start reading the Bible and seeing that there's not one line in that book that doesn't come true and isn't true and isn't pertinent, man, there's an, it's undeniable God, right? at least to me. So oh, yeah, to, to me the listeners well. out there, but I mean, best book, one of the best books in the world ever written is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm-hmm. And he in his writing says, I'm not a Christian, but my parents were. 
But you got this guy who wrote a book that I think is one of the greatest selling books of all time, translated in more languages than almost any other book. It's known as the communication standard, you know? And this gentleman says that whether you believe God or not, man, every principle in the book works in real life. Right. And you can take his book and every principle can be translated to scripture and verse. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, but go on, go on. I don't want to, we keep getting oh, no. You're fine. But during that time, Obviously, I made more than six months yeah. uh, back. It, it didn't take, I think it was, man, it was maybe 10 days. Yeah, <laughs> I, 10 I, days. I made yeah. that money back, and I was just, I was jumping for joy. I, and I was so thankful. Yeah. So thankful. And, and so I ended up, man, 2017 was September. Oh, this is a really cool story as well. We, so the year before, before I got back into Bitcoin, before I had been successful in it, Mm-hmm. My wife and I had been looking for houses. Mm-hmm. And, and we're looking on the $130,000 range, which for this area of the United States, you can find a three-bedroom. Yeah, it's a nice house. Okay, yeah. And um, every single house we looked at just didn't work. I put We put in uh, the bid for the exact price on the first house. We got out. I didn't know. We got out bid by five grand. The next house, we put a, we put we offered 5000 more mm-hmm. than it was worth. And we got underbid. But it was a cash offer, so they accepted that offer. Gotcha. The next house, we offered eleven thousand more than the asking price and got outbid. And wow. I was like, "All right, Lord, what's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of renting. I'm tired of throwing my money away, you know." <laughs> and then, no joke, I went from getting emails daily to getting one email every two weeks. The housing that that price range evaporated. And, and, and you don't want notifications like MLS notifications. MLS notifications yeah. in the email. I'm sorry. Yes, from my realtor. And that price range, the houses just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And it was everybody like, was buying them at the time for rentals. Oh yes, uh, yes, they were just buying them up, and and we couldn't get anything. So so I was just discouraged. I was like, I don't understand, you know. But then my financial situation was, you know, totally different. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden. We're looking, you know, closer to 200 grand range. And that's after I quit my job. And, uh, and this house is on the market and, and this house should not be on the market for the price that it's listed. Mm-hmm. And Katie and I are looking at, we're like, is this legit? Like, yeah. <laughs> is it made out of cardboard? Like, is this for real? So we go and look at it. And we fell in love with it. We're like, Oh man, we got to buy this house, you know, and it was on that market for 74 days under market price. Wow. And it hadn't had an offer on it. And man, we bought it and, and we were able to buy it. We don't have a mortgage. It was, it That's was awesome. amazing. That was, you know, it was God. It was, yep. he, he, here, you know, and, and I really truly believe he rewarded, he rewarded us for being faithful, yep. you know, and it's, I, I'm so grateful, you know, yeah, I may have to go back to work someday, you know. Well, and, fa- yeah. Fast forward, keep going. So now you double, triple, double, 10 triple, times. And yeah, now after and that, I, what happens? It, it, uh, so I had gotten really like, it was, I couldn't believe it. You know, you, we'd look at the portfolio every day and just kind of giggle my wife and I, mm-hmm. cause it was, it was getting ridiculous. I mean, from a $4,000 investment, yeah. you know, and uh, man, I remember, I actually, yeah, uh, paying taxes was awful. Yeah. I remember I was like, Oh my soul. <laughs> but that's you a know? good problem to it have. It's a great problem to have. I mean, I remember specifically paying taxes in 2018 and it was twice three times my tax bill was three times 
my annual income of my best year ever. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, my soul, you know. The Lord blessed like crazy. Yeah. But that, all, that allowed us to give, you know, to give more, to give to people too, mm-hmm. to give to more than just the church, to help friends, to help family, mm-hmm. you know. And God's been able, to, he's used us, but we've been willing to be used. And now that's brought you to the position where financial independence. Correct. You have plans for the future, but you're still working on the details. So we won't discuss that in this podcast. We'll have you back for another one. And then what else? So we got the past. Is there anything else from the past that you'd like to discuss or anything you think can help the listener? Yeah. If I could speak to maybe if you have some younger listeners, like, you know, teenage, early twenties, if I could just encourage you for anything, obviously from the spiritual side, if you're not a Christian, look into it. And how, how could they do that? Like, what's a good way to look into Christianity? A good way to look at just, honestly, you, you can Google search, what is Christianity? Who is Christ? If you're having a hard time believing it, look up the prophecies. That's, that's, that's one of the things that helps me believe the Bible the most. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than my personal relationship with God, I, you can, once you're a Christian, you can feel God. You don't hear him audibly say something, but mm-hmm. man, you feel this draw to do, to do things. You feel comfort. In awful situations, awful, terrible situations, you know, a peace that passes peace. all understanding. Like even when things are out of control, right? You just feel a steady calm, right? Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to stay drunk or stay high to get through situations. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I thought I had to, you know, mm-hmm. from the previous relationship. It's just this, this overwhelming peace. And I mean, the, it, you can, like I said, Google it. What would be a ministry Bible. like a Nash? Because like, there's. People listening to this, like we've been blessed already. People in Australia and India, I mean, we're getting hits from Europe, Asia. This has been a huge blessing. I'm so thankful for you as a listener, and I hope we're going to continue to grow and help. But like in America, Charles Stanley has a great ministry, and his son, Andy Stanley, has a great ministry. There's people like that. Is there a specific organization you can think of or... Okay. Yeah, not not necessarily. Um, There's there is a ton. There but are. A you don't ton. want to get involved yeah. in a cult, right? You want no. to get involved in someone who's teaching the Bible, not taking it out of context. Correct. Yeah, not making it fit. I think era. Charles Stanley. If you're listening for the first time and you're like, maybe I'll give this a chance. I think Charles Stanley is a great place to start. Or Andy Stanley. And I don't know them. I'd love to meet them and hang out with them. But the truth is they've helped me a lot. Even as someone, I got saved when I was 15. My life changed radically. And that doesn't mean I haven't backslid too and had ups and downs. But I know that some of my darkest days, I listened to Charles Stanley and read some of his material. And God used that mightily to help me. And I mean, when nobody was there for me, God was there. But he used Charles Stanley's, and even Anley Stanley, I remember going to Georgia. And when I was there, I went to visit Charles Stanley's church and I was so upset. He wasn't there that Sunday. And his son stepped in for the first time. And I'm like, I don't want to hear his son. I just brought my family five hours to hear his son. Dude, I audibly wept Mm -hmm. the entire service. And you talk about how God... right use those men to change my life. So thank you guys. If you ever hear this, thank you. Yeah. But, but he knows what you need to hear. You thought you needed Charles and he knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, who's this Andy right. Stanley? And, but that, but you know, and that's another thing. Get in the Bible, get in church. I mean, because that happens. You'll go to church sometimes and you're struggling with something and, and the pastor will preach 
and a message that goes right to help you get through that, to help you get through mm-hmm. that situation. And you're like, all right, this guy's listening to my, <laughs> how in the world did he know? Who told him my story? Right. <laughs> right. But it happens time and again. But it also happens when you open the Bible. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll ask God, well, you'll be going through something, you'll open the scripture and it's like, here's your answer. Amen. You know? now, what would you tell? Go back to those. There's, do you know that the depression rate among teens is higher than, depression and suicide is higher today than ever. Yeah. There's more quote unquote Christian teens who are absolutely just struggling right now. Mm, a lot of that, I believe, has to do with social media. Oh, agreed. Entirely agree. Yeah. But if you were talking and there's listeners right now, there are listeners right now thinking there's no hope. I'm a waste. I'm a piece of trash. What does it matter? I've already ruined myself. Why don't I just keep going? Yeah. What would you tell us? That's teens? not true at all. And, and, and adults, teens yeah. and adults. But it, let's focus it, on the teens. You're never home. too far away, you know. Ever. My my grandfather was a bad, bad man. I mean, he, you know, he he didn't get convicted, but <laughs> he <laughs> murdered people. He he was arrested for, yeah, I think it, I can't even remember. It was two tons of marijuana. Mm-hmm. And, tons, uh, tons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, that's a lot of weed, man. Yeah, I know. But he got he ended up getting saved. On his deathbed, you know, the thief on the cross, mm-hmm. you know, all he said was, remember me, you know, when you enter into your kingdom and, and God said, well, today, today you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, it's never too late. You've never gone too far. No matter what you've done, you know, God can change your life and he will if you let him, you know, it's, and he changed you. He changed my life so drastically. I went from, I went from an alcoholic, you know, drug addict to, you know, to being here, having a family in church, a great church, you know, you know, and, and a lot of that too. And I haven't, I haven't given my dad the proper thanks and my family the proper thanks, but it, mm-hmm. it affected me. And, and, you know, there were times where I felt invincible when I was doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, don't we all? Invincible. There was, there was a time where I got handcuffed from running from the cops on foot. That was because I was an idiot. That was one of my life goals. Yeah. Was to run from the cops on foot. That was your bucket list? That was on my bucket list, yeah. You're a dumb. I, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Trust me, or I was. I'm just I still am. But. So that was on my bucket list. We were list. all dumb. So I ran from him on, on foot, got caught, handcuffed, and by the 40 minutes after, I had them laughing. We were laughing. They were telling me stories of when they ran from cops as they, when they were kids. Yep. They took me out of the handcuffs. Asked me if I could get a ride because we were partying. And I said, sure. And they said, have a good night. Yeah. No record. You know, that was the Lord. But, oh, but absolutely. that also helped me. I felt invincible after that. I was like, I can't get in trouble. I, I can't die. I can't get in trouble. You know, and it was a very dangerous place to be. But, and what you at that point recognize is your invincibility well, was really God's hand or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and come to find out. I just had a guest on and he had such a similar story. It's uh, episode six. If you're listening, Chad Williams, a Navy SEAL. And he had that same invincibility. No matter what he did, he's thinking I'm the boss. Right. And it really was just, he looks back now like, God, thank you. Right. And that's because that's not everybody has that outcome. Not at all. My friend Todd was going to live forever. Yeah. You know, and he was the best quote unquote. Absolutely. Yeah. He was. And, uh, but come to find out. You know, my parents were across the world and 
my mom would wake up every morning and pray for me. Yeah. You know, and so her morning was my night. And I was, you know, her, through her prayers, I feel like God really watched over me <laughs> in spite of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not because of me, but I think my mom waking up in her morning, she's praying while I'm partying and God kept me safe and eventually drew me back, you know, and, and I love the story of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. There's, it, it's so true. You know, when I finally did decide, you know, all right, Lord, I want, I'm done with this life. Like the mm-hmm. son, he went out and wasted all of his money, you know, wasted it on women, wasted it on, on riotous living. And yeah, drugs, alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he's finally realized that his dad's servants had a better life than him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was sleeping with pigs. Right. He was sleeping with the pigs, eating the, the, the trash. Yes, exactly. And, and that's what I, I finally realized. It was like, this is awful. <laughs> yeah. You know, but when I came in the, in that story, when he comes home, his dad sees him afar off and he comes running to him mm-hmm. to meet him. And he comes and he, and he puts on his best robe and he gives him rings and they throw a feast for him. And that's exactly what God did for me. You know, mm-hmm. like I look at my life now, I have a beautiful wife, the girl that I wanted to marry someone like <laughs> yeah. I married, you yeah. know, we have three sons, you know, we're so close to both sides of our family. We're in a good church. You know, God's been so good. He blessed us financially, like I said, mm-hmm. you know, and he's so good. And that's exactly what he did when I finally said, all right, Lord, coming home. Man, I didn't have to come far because <laughs> yeah. he ran. He ran and he met me, and, then, and gave me everything. You know, it's, I'm so grateful. It's awesome. So for the listeners out there, being like that'll never happen to me, and they're believing the lie. I can't have that story, or I'm not going to be forgiven, or I don't. There's no way I deserve that. I'm a piece of trash. What do you tell them? You absolutely can. I didn't deserve it either. And I, I still don't deserve it. I don't deserve my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not at all. I, and, and I, I'm not perfect by any means. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mess up all the time. I fail all the time, but God is gracious and he's loving. He's so merciful and so long suffering. Yeah. And, and no matter what you come back, if you've never been saved, look into it, look into God because my life is so changed because of it, yeah. because of him. And, and, and if you are a Christian and you're away from the Lord, come back. Cause, cause the story of the prodigal is real. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what you've done while you're away from him. He'll, he will come running to you and change your life completely. But you have to really be willing to, to, to have a relationship with him and not just, you know, be tired of your situation. Absolutely. You know, cause like I said, I was tired of my situation when I moved to Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying get close to God so you get what you want, mm-hmm. but, but, but even for that year when I was just half in, half out, I was barely getting by. I was barely, you know, I was still not happy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I finally was like, all right, Lord, I'm done, you know, and, and that was a year after I came back that, that he's like, here you go. And he like poured out his blessings on me. And it's since then. He's been so good to me. So good. Amen. And and let's clarify this. This is not get right with God so you can be rich. Not at all. I don't want you as a listener thinking that. You might be 
financially poor or financially wealthy, but we're talking about a deeper, <laughs> deeper wealth that is eternal. And you may come and hopefully come to trust Christ as your savior, and you may struggle financially the rest of your life, right. but you're going to have a peace and a joy. And even when things are at the lowest of the low, you always know God's there. And that's something that can't be bought. So whether you're in a situation where you're financially wealthy, you're poor, you're somewhere in between, Christ is for everybody. And we don't want you to think that do this and you'll be rich because that's not what it's all about. That just happens to be Dominic's story. But you're in my story, maybe more, it might be less, but it's always the same love. That's right. Yep. So, God's good, and, and I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me on. Oh, no problem. Dominic, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you for yeah. being here. And we're going to break the traditional format because I want to save you for, we'll come back if you don't mind. Would you like to come back? Absolutely. Yeah, when you're working on your next project, and we'll talk about it and just catch up a little bit, hang out. And to the listeners right now, man, we love you. We're thankful for you. If you have questions, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. You can always reach out to me. You can reach out to Dominic. We're going to put a link to the plan of salvation, what me and Dominic kept rambling on about. We want you to know exactly what it is Mm -hmm. because of what changed our lives. And we'll also put a link to his old YouTube channel if you want to see him peek out. You can hear my voice. You can hear his voice. You might see my hands. Me and Dominic have faces for radio. Yeah, I definitely have a radio face. So that's it. But please, if you've enjoyed this, send it to other people, share it, like it, give us some positive feedback. And if you can't give me a five-star review for this podcast because I'm not doing a good job helping you, man, write me an email. Write at me at davidpasqualone.com and be like, hey, stupid, you need to do this better and show me how. But that's it. We love you, Dominic. Thanks again for being here. You, you truly have a remarkable story. I'm proud to be your friend. Thank you. All right. I appreciate it. Can I give one shout out? Absolutely. Happy birthday, Heather. I love you. Oh, man. Heather, I love you too, but not nearly the same way. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. And we'll see you tomorrow. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People Podcast. Listen. Do. Repeat. For life.